Monica. <laughs> God, it, you know, I haven't interviewed someone in a long time because I just haven't been interested in anything like yeah. that. And then and now here's you. And this is the perfect person. We've been on this <laughs> tour to force. It has been three and a half years. We met really early in the pandemic. See, we can thank the pandemic for this friendship. Yeah, I'm so grateful in that way. <laughs> but where first one was about trying to bring down that fear that the media and public health was whipping up around not using data-based approaches and science-based approaches and kind of who's most at risk, who who can feel better about it. And now we're here again. And here we are. And, and the thing is, see, so part of the thing is that, look, and you don't even want to promote this. I had to go <laughs> down to your car and pop your trunk to get the actual book out. You know, you're not self-promoting enough. This, so this is Endemic, a post-pandemic playbook, which you uh, put out. And what what is this book about? Because people are so tired of COVID, I'm sure it's selling like zero. Yeah, it's yeah. not selling, which is really <laughs> fine with me. And I don't, I actually, you wanna work yourself out of a job, right? Like yeah. you want to reassure people yeah. that biomedical advances and, and also natural immunity got us to this place yeah. and that we are in an endemic phase. Yeah. And it's very fine that people aren't buying it, but it is about a more compassionate approach to public health that takes all of public health into account, not just the effects of one virus. And because mm. I was trained in infectious disease, I know virology, I know immunology, but I also really importantly know the history of infections because I read about them. And we never could have eradicated COVID. And so we had to have known from early on where we needed to get to, which was especially for older people, vaccines, because they needed to get away from the um, ability to contract severe disease. And that's what immunity does. And so the vaccines were so important. Mm. And then for everyone else, actually, a lot of people, of course, even if they're older, got natural immunity on top of it, because about 95% of people on this planet have seen the virus. There's estimates from mm. a modeling um uh, organization in Seattle, IHME. And so at this point, everyone's seen the, so many people have seen the virus. They have natural immunity. Many people have gotten the vaccine. They have the vaccine. Older people can get the vaccine again and should. We're going to have boosters that are uh, that are directed against older people. But we are in an endemic phase. And we didn't think three and a half years ago we'd be at this point. And we have to bring down that that fear and be compassionate and celebrate these biomedical advances that got us here. Yeah, you know, because now <laughs> we're in a spot where this thing is with us. We kind of said it was gonna be, you know, years ago when you and I talked too, uh, maybe a year ago we did a show like from pandemic to endemic. Yeah. And in Europe, in Japan and other places, they've been treating it like it's endemic. Since spring of 2022, which I think is really important to point out that everywhere else, because I've been in India several times since then too, everywhere else has treated it as it's endemic since spring of 2022. Why? Because we had um, Omicron come out on 11 21 The reason we all remember that date, it was Thanksgiving Day here in the United States, and it was first identified in South Africa. And BA1 was the first subvariant. And then we had BA2 and BA4 and BA5 and BF27 and XBB and EG5 now and BA2.86. Um, uh, that's where we're on now. But we had many variants. And all of those variants led to waves and waves of natural immunity on top of vaccines on top of the fact that it was a less virulent variant. And by April of 2022, the data showed even from the US, there was no difference 
in those who were vaccinated or not in hospitalization rate because we had had so many waves of infection. BA1, it was really important to be vaccinated. Delta, really important to be vaccinated. When you and I talked about how important vaccines were, it was in the face of having little immunity. And now there were so many waves of immunity because of this very transmissible subvariants that by 2022, Europe declared it pandemic. It was exactly April 27th, 2022, that the European CDC equivalent said, we have to treat this like an endemic respiratory virus. And how did they do that? Because suddenly respiratory illnesses were no longer elevated. Deaths from respiratory illnesses were no longer elevated above 2019 levels at that point. Mm -hmm. And that was true in the United States too, but we're so polarized, we kept on arguing, we kept on being really mad at each other. Every other um, one side said it, it's, it was endemic earlier. The other side said, no, it's not going to be endemic till later. And we declared the end of the global health, uh, public health emergency in this country on May 11th, 2023, yeah. right after the WHO had declared it on May 5th. The only reason the WHO delayed it was because of China, because oh, China had surging, said, yeah. said such a lockdown approach that when they're their public, you know, when they had mass protests to say, you can't do this to us because there's other things in life. We can't, sometimes people couldn't get their food and other medical care. They had mass protests. China opened up abruptly on December 7th, 2022, and they had one more wave, unfortunately, of mortality. And then China, uh, WHO waited till China, and then they declared the end of the uh, public health I see, I emergency. See. But it was, it was everywhere else had declared it except for the U.S. and the U.S. waited till the WHO declared it. I see that makes sense. So, but what do you think the Chinese? <laughs> what, what, what do you think of that approach? I'm just curious because here we were, we were, you know, there was a mix of all this fear of the messaging around fear, the messaging that you know get your vaccine, but nothing will change. You still have to wear masks. You still can't have large gatherings. You still gonna, you know, shut. And that didn't make sense to me. It didn't yeah. make any sense. We had the vaccine. So the, yeah. But the Chinese just said, no, 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 zero COVID policy for all this time until their own people were like, now we're seeing all the ancillary damage. Yes. Um, and then it was like, rip the bandaid off and this huge, probably under, massively underreported spike that was exactly. going to happen eventually. It was. And that was so sad because then in a way they should have opened up more gradually, but they yeah. were against a wall because their people were protesting. It was it was inhumane. I think it was extremely against human rights mm -hmm. to their severe lockdown approach was against human rights because yeah. people couldn't decide for themselves if they wanted to accept the risk of a respiratory virus to go seek medical care right. for other illnesses. It became completely out of people's own hands, their own decision-making. And it was really unkind. It what, was really human rights violation. What do you think happened with the immunity situation in China? Were they not having the level of immunity that we had, say, in the West because they weren't vaccinating and they had not seen the virus? Like, what's your take? Yes, I think, unfortunately, uh, vaccines weren't enough because they had been vaccinated to a certain degree, but we couldn't also get the exact numbers. The right. UK were saying was lower than what you're reporting. Right. But they also hadn't boosted their elderly as high mm. enough because they have a whole virus vaccine, which I'm really into, mm. like Covaxin. Mm. But I think the whole virus vaccine is not as immunogenic and it needed three doses, ah. especially for older people. So yes. they didn't have the rates of boosting in the elderly that they needed to open up so abruptly. So, and they didn't have natural immunity. There was just a... Um, really nice piece in the conversation saying COVID is endemic just last week. Mm. But what they described is that 
unfortunately, you need to see both. I mean, it was it was natural infection and the vaccines, especially among older people, that got us to this phase of endemicity because you really saw the whole virus from natural infection, but you wanted to have had um, vaccine-induced immunity before then so you couldn't get severe disease. I'm a big proponent of the vaccines. That's why I find it surprising that there would be anything controversial about celebrating vaccines. Like, well, you and I are both proponents. We talked about how 96% of doctors got vaccinated, but I'm not a big proponent of not figuring out who's now still at risk and boosting those who are still at risk. Boosting everyone doesn't make sense. Doesn't make any sense. And no other country is doing this. No other country, I mean, this this is a key part of this. No other country but the US did what we did. They didn't do the prolonged school closures in blue states. They didn't have this degree of polarization. They didn't only report fear-based messaging. They reported really optimistic things when the vaccines came out. They worked. They talked about T and B cell immunity. They were just so positive. And then when the they declared it endemic, they didn't look back. They never put back mass mandates. They never put back isolation and quarantine requirements. We are so polarized here. Yeah, and so much, so much of it has to do with who was president during the pandemic. Yes, uh, we had a, a, a polarized society in general, and so there was a reaction on both sides. Well, well, if if you know Trump does this, then we're going to do this. And the ap- absolute opposite. Absolute. Opposite. Whatever he does, even if he like says the sky is blue, then we're going to say the sky is pink. Exactly. Because right. everyone was so the left in general, public health officials and ID doctors like me are left, but they um, but they fought against everything he did, even when he said reasonable things like schools should be open. Right. And so if we had had anyone else, I think the uh, we would have had a reasonable public health response like they did in um, Scandinavia. Right. And that's not saying uh, it's that's not saying Trump had direct policies that caused trouble. It's saying because Trump was such a polarizing yeah. figure the left reacted in this way, the right reacted in this way, and now we're still talking about vaccines as it's it's like some kind of controversy and we're doing stupid things that the rest of the world isn't doing. Why are we so stupid? And the rest of the world is seemingly reasonable. You know, you could talk about the Chinese as being an outlier um, because they did something just that was again, political and they're an autocracy and they can do whatever they want in that way. And uh, and in the end, did it work? Did it not work well? You know, their economy is damaged. They have probably a million dead in a very short period of time that's been underreported because yes. they saved it all for the end. So you could say, you could actually say this, like lockdowns, that like severe kind of draconian um, contact tracing and that kind of thing, they can work to lower infection rate, yeah. right? But is it a good idea as a policy? And we would say no. Because, I mean, not in a holistic, right. if you look at a round, holistic way, that there are other aspects of public health. And right. the collateral damage has been profound. I'm really interested in the mental health effects in the population in China and also school effects and children and um, people's just how they're doing, but that's not being really reported. And you'll never get that information. Yeah. And, but but I'll say this, you'll get it in the US. So, well, yeah, you'll get it at least anecdotally. Here, yeah. So I was just in Alaska in, in the central Kenai Peninsula. Uh-huh. It's a small rural area and it has a large health system there. And I was talking to people there. And part of the reason I was there is to talk about mental health in healthcare providers and how we can you know, use different techniques and, and um, trying to build this idea of health 3.0, more holistic health system, reducing moral injury in healthcare professionals. And what I would hear routinely is that they, they had their COVID um, thing happen. And I know Alaska was actually at the forefront in the early beginning. 
What they found was the response to COVID with schools closing and the loss of vulnerable students from their system was more damaging in many ways. And they would lo- they were losing staff to actual COVID infections. People were dying. But then they, what they're seeing now is this huge surge in mental illness in kids, in kids who were lost through the school closures. That is so never sad. Never came back. Yeah, and um, it's being reported everywhere, though. Everywhere. That's so sad. Everywhere. And who drops out? It's the poor. Who drops Always. out? It's vulnerable populations, black and brown, racial and ethnic minorities, the very group that you thought kind the of the left, left would want to protect or they used to. Right. And so this led, a patient of mine came into my office two days ago and she said, um, I'm so angry at Democrats. And I said, why? And she said, because they've become the party of billionaires mm. and coastal elites and they just neglected this entire poor population. But at least they, but they paid lip service and pretended they cared, but they didn't care. And that is even worse than just not caring and not talking about it. I mean, it's, yeah. this is the group that fell out, these vulnerable students. And it's the group that fell out globally. So globally, the poor didn't go back to work, uh, to school. Of course, the rich children went back to school. Of course, the affluent children are back in school now. But in Uganda... The children, girls went to sex work. Um, Mm. So there's a very painful report about how much if you're an adolescent and you're out of school, then went to sex work, increasing rates of HIV. In boys in Bangladesh, they went to work for their families on the street. Now they're not back to school. Mm. So it's uh, Philippines, Brazil also had prolonged school closures. And those are places where children have been lost, but it is children of less means. So Mm. they're out and it's going to be... The, it's going to affect their whole lives. The, the, the education is one of the most important things to go to be empowered and to have a life. So it's it's so damaging. And we were talking about like there's the damage of that, but then there's the damage of stigmatizing people to to turn them into kind of untouchables. So like these kids are taught that they're vectors of disease. They could, they could kill their parents or their grandparents. Yeah. So we're already telling kids you're dirty or avoid dirty people. And then we we create a whole new class of untouchables, you know, like- Unvaccinated. Unvaccinated. We're the untouchables. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sure, you've had COVID 12 times already, yeah. but you know, like you're not that, vaccinated. Like um, that tennis player. Right. Like he was an untouchable, but he, he did really well. Yeah. <laughs> I believe. He, he was touched the good. ball yeah. pretty good, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, it, it it all again comes to this idea, in my estimation, it's all about identity. So in the US, we polarize into these sub-identities, like I'm a Democrat who believes this, I'm a Republican who believes this, I'm a Libertarian who believes this. And so then we were out there fighting against perceived enemies who are evil because we don't actually talk to them because we're closed down and we're interacting through these social media mechanisms where we're often anonymous. That's why I hate Twitter or X or whatever Elon's calling it. Because you can be anonymous McGee and say anything you want. When you say something as yourself, well, now you're responsible because that person can show up on the street and ask you, hey, why did you say that about me? Here I am, (laughs) tell me to my face. Yeah, Yeah. these ad, these attacks from anonymous thing, it's terrible, it's Uh, terrible. I have a big goal of, Getting off Twitter, yeah. but 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 you're right. Actually, this is a really interesting thing you say because I used to be in the club, so I used to be, you know, like have my Democrat policies, and then I was kind of a dissenter during COVID, um, in the sense that my real interest is in poverty. Mm. My real interest is in disparities between rich and poor, mm. and this response deepened the disparities between rich and poor. It was 
deeply unfair to the poor mm. of um, shutting down schools where people could go to private school if they had means, of shutting down businesses where people who had money could stay home and do their um, computers and laptop work. And it also thrust 100 million children each year of 2020 and 2021 into poverty worldwide. Mm. So because I'm really interested in poverty, that's just my main interest. I was out of sorts with the Democrats because they deepened poverty during their mm. this COVID response because they were mad at Trump and all that. But they deepened poverty. It was deeply unfair. Yeah. And my patients are poor. So I would see all these effects mm. because I treat um, a publicly insured patient, patient population and they'd say, are your children in school? And I'd say, yes, I'm in private school and they're in school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They'd say, really? I cannot, those public schools will not open. Can you fight for us? Can you fight for us? And so they didn't have any way to to send their children to school. And there were eight-year-olds. One person in my clinic who works with me, her eight-year-old would be home alone so she could come and work mm-hmm. as a staff member in our clinic. And the eight-year-old would be home alone on- On, on devices. On devices. Yeah. It was so sad. And then when I was in India- there would be a son and a daughter in a family, and they'd have one device in a in a family of of the driver, and um, so someone who was low means, and the device would go to the boy, and then the girl would be out of luck. So one device in the in the in the family, so only Actually, boys girl- got online school. So the, oh, I see. Yeah, I see. So that that all that playing out in India too. So I it's mean, just it's just it's vastly increasing the disparities that were already it vastly increased terrible. disparities. And I went into infectious diseases because I was interested in disparities between rich and poor. So I became, but my point is I became a dissenter. I really didn't think this response was right, especially around school closures. Let's use the term that that the left will use. You're a a heathen. (laughs) You committed heresy. You should be excommunicated from the tribe. You're self-promoting. You're wrong about everything. Yeah, that's what they say. Yes, yes, those leftists. And what happened then is because I'm super left, but then I violated the left in that way. They were attacking me, like you said. And I realized for the first time that you can have a variety of opinions. Mm -hmm. They don't have to be in one tribe. Heaven forbid. In fact, you can just have a principle that you believe in. So Mm -hmm. I have like two principles I believe in. One principle is I'm really desperately um, unhappy about global poverty. So, and about disparities between rich and poor. That principle drove everything I did. Mm. I'm also really interested in the concept of human companionship and human togetherness and connection because not just because primates, all primates need connection, but because I've seen firsthand the stigmatization of people who are gay, Mm. who live with HIV and what social isolation and stigmatization and telling someone that they're dirty Mm. because of their inherent something about them, which is sexuality, their being, they were dirty and they needed to stay away from people. And that's what we told people during the pandemic about every, about breathing, that it was dirty to breathe. And so you had to cover that breath and you had to stay away from your grandparents and you had to stay away from human beings. And by telling that we created fractures and misery and more anxiety and depression. And we're now at our highest suicide rate that we've ever had in the United States. And mental health effects on children are are unfathomable. And that isn't the right thing to do. That's not holistic public health. That doesn't think about despair and other aspects of public health. So what I'm hearing, Monica, is we should have just locked down longer and harder. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> right. That's, is that what this book, that's, that's what chapter. the book says. Yeah. The, the last chapter. Yeah, the last okay. Chapter. Here's the prescription says, for the future. China should never have opened. 
<laughs> well, you listen, everything you said is like what you and I has been the theme of our conversations from during the pa- during the pandemic, after the pandemic. And this is kind of like a a nice way to bring it all together because we don't want this to be repeated in the future. No, that's really important. That's the thing. And you'd say in the book how not to do that. That's the yeah. last chapter. The, sec- the the chapter five is on school closures, which it so was mm. so painful to chronicle mm. all the effects of school closures, especially in the global setting that I can't actually look at chapter five, but I would mm. encourage people if they, the two people who I'm buy putting it, like my, my mom and you. On. That's yeah, how serious I am. It's really painful. Yeah. <laughs> so it's very painful because the documentation, you can't get away from how, how wrong that was for children. But then chapter six is on the duty of public health. And I think the duty is to tell people how to stay safe. Like we talked a lot about masks at the beginning because I think masks allowed people to, to get have a, ability not to lock down. Yeah. And so how to stay safe, but also they get to make their decisions. If you decide that a funeral for your family member, and then and that human aspect of putting your family member to rest, which I couldn't do with my husband until two years in the pandemic and it meant a lot to put his ashes in the Ganges. Mm. But if you decide as a family that that process of having a funeral is, is an important human process or going to church is important for you in a religious way to go... Public health should tell you how to stay safe, but they shouldn't tell you that you can't yeah. be human. Yeah. And Hey, sorry to interrupt this episode. It's Dr. Z. Just a quick pitch here. If you can just leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, it helps us a lot. I also want to hear what you think about this episode when you're done listening. Hello at ZDogMD.com. It's the best way for me to hear your voice because the emails come right to me. And we don't have a comment section on most podcast platforms. Maybe Spotify has one, but nobody else does. So it really gets your voice involved on episodes, especially that don't have a video. And the third thing is if you want to be a part of this community and support the show, join our supporter tribe, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. You can join on YouTube, Locals, Facebook, Instagram. You get live videos with me where we're talking about these things in depth, uncensored, and your comments are fully incorporated as in real time. And then we do these Zoom meetings where it's really like a beautiful community where we share our experiences on the awakening journeyless journey. How are we going to transform ourselves so we can transform healthcare and education and government? Because those systems are epiphenomena of us. Until we wake up, those systems will stay asleep. They're just an expression of our own delusion. So being a part of that, it supports this message so others can hear it. And it also allows for our own collective growth. So we need each other in that way. It's really, really, really tightly interwoven and interdependent. That's it. Back to your regular schedule, regularly scheduled show. So that's what the six chapter is about. And then the seven is a 10 point playbook. Ah, and it's just it one, is. two, three, four, five, six, you know, 10 points. And it really starts with accelerate vaccination because yep. I think vaccination is profoundly important, especially global equity, and especially in who's most at risk. Maybe the next pandemic, children are most at risk. First two child vaccines. Maybe this pandemic, this pandemic, not maybe, this pandemic, older people are most at risk. Mm. Get them the vaccine first. Mm. Accelerate vaccination, first step. Second is um, actually ease restrictions as soon as you have the vaccine, meaning 
why do we have mass mandates after the vaccine? No other country did that. They didn't. Mm. They said once you get vaccinated, go back to normal. Mm. Life is normal. We biomedical advances set us free, like mm. they set us free in HIV. We didn't celebrate those biomedical advances. And then actually, the third is keeping the outside open. Like remember, we closed those beaches and the sandboxes oh, and the nonsense yeah. outside. Put like thing uh, tied up the basketball hoop so uh, that rich people had backyards and yep. poor people couldn't go to the playground. So um, so don't ever close the outside. That's the best place to be for a respiratory pathogen. Ventilation is one of the most important things you can do. The fourth step is schools are a special example. Even when children were more at risk for measles, diphtheria, influenza, we did what it could to keep schools open because schools are so important for children. And then the fifth step is avoid lockdowns of medical care and of anything actually that is imposed on people. You can tell people that, hey, I'm like Stay in, home in if Japan. You can. Yeah. They said, um, you know, we're not going to close businesses. They actually were um, not allowed to. But they said, why don't, if you're in an indoor public space, let's wear masks, let's open the windows, let's do this. Maybe if you're older, let's not do this. But they didn't tell people that they they had to do that. It was recommendations. They did that in Sweden as well, and it really worked well. And then the next step is if deep cleaning doesn't work or something ineffective doesn't work, don't do it because it's theater. And wait, wait, it wait becomes, I, I can't point a, yeah. a temperature gun at your head <laughs> yeah, and know that you have COVID or not? Anymore, right? Jesus. And that just reduced trust in public health. Yeah. And then the, the next to final step is antivirals because any epidemic that can't go away, um, and the reason that COVID can't go away is there's, 20, you know, there's like 35 animals that have it. It spreads when even right before you have symptoms. It looks like a lot of other viruses. And fundamentally, the vaccines are, or natural infection don't cause sterilizing immunity. And it also mutates a lot. So if it can't go away, those are the five reasons. Smallpox had none of those. Mm. All of those smallpox didn't have. Smallpox had no animal reservoirs. Right. If it can't go away, we need antivirals. So therapeutics, Paxlovid is kind of first generation, but we're going to get more. Yeah. And then the last um, circle on that uh, picture is building back trust in public health. Ah. And that's where we are now because 30% of people trust the CDC by a health affairs report that was published in March of 2023. It was in Mm. health affairs, but it was run out of Harvard. 30% of people trust the CDC. This is the time to increase trust in public health. Mm. We have to be doing this so that something terrible doesn't happen and no one listens to you. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, this is common sense 101 from somebody who actually does this for a living. Seems common experience sense. With, yeah. And what's what's interesting here is I'm looking at the at the endorsements on this book <laughs> and I'm just laughing. You got a CNN correspondent, Sanjay yes. Gupta, yes. to say a thoughtful and reasoned plan to help prepare for the next pandemic. So everything you just said is like the opposite of what CNN has been saying for three years. Because I actually think I was super databased. And so he actually wrote a longer blurb in there that says, I always turn to um, Monica Gandhi to look at um, like the papers uh. because I never said a statement on Twitter that didn't have a paper. Yeah, there were yeah. very few times where I I just said, like, people would write, wear masks, save lives or something, and they wouldn't have a a paper. I always say something about T-cell immunity, and I link to a paper. It's not my opinion. Yeah, It was a paper. And then, yeah, you have to mention the other. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, 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 By the way, when I I cite things, I I, I say things like, everything is consciousness. God at all. Well, we're both there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's the that's the only citation. That's it, only. <laughs> only. I heard God. He knows. 
वॉट यू मीन ही ब्यूटिफुल ब्यूटिफुल दे देम दोस्त दैट्स सो अ टाइमली लूसिड एंड वेल रेफरेंस्ड बुक एन एसेंशियल एडिशन टू द कोविड लिटरेचर सेज बॉब वॉक्टर एम डी chair department of uh, medicine at UCSF so i mean bob is my department chair yes yeah, yes okay yes, well, yes. you know he i mean i think he and i may have taken a different approach um and um everyone kind of brings their personal biases in right but one thing about this book is that like the last chapter is really all references because i really oh, never yeah. want to say anything without linking That's to something that's a lot of references so if you look at all those references it's i'm trying to make it not I'm trying to make it about reason and objectivity and you know, not you know my own opinion. You know what's not reason or objectivity? <laughs> the fact that I think her picture makes you look like the Indian Oprah. <laughs> yes. Okay. But I, I have never given out a car, but I do like Oprah. She's a nice person, but I, I am not a good actress and I've you, never given out a car. You get a mask and you get a mask and you get a mask. Remember how masky I was? I think yeah. that's really important to say yeah. to give me credibility with people who yell is I was so very, very masky. but i did not understand after vaccines why you'd wear a mask cuz then right. what didn't that unlock the key to normal life like it did in europe and india and yeah. japan and yeah. south korea and everywhere else yeah. like why did we make it a talisman yeah because again the same thing identity politics uh, division i was just in japan for 2 weeks yes now they are having like a ninth wave right no surprise well, always it, always it's going to be there yeah. and you would see it reported in their paper but it wasn't a like headline it was one of the things and i look out on the street everything's open as it has been about maybe 10 to 15% of people are wearing masks wow. and in asia wow. that's a cultural thing anyways wow. you got a cold you wow. put a mask on and we went to places like there's a thing called team labs in tokyo where it's a bunch of people crammed into a very small space and you experience this immersive art wow. and there were a lot of japanese there too and there was like zero masks and people were with other people like in all of the art and putting their feet in water together like it's a water feature like bare feet walking around bare feet it was gorgeous beautiful and rational it's joy joy see we so we took away a lot of people's joy right we took mm. away all this joy but right now is the time to bring back joy and part of being joyful is being around other humans so my parents and this is so unless i my parents are 88 and 82 mm. i encourage them to live normally after vaccines mm-hmm. which they did because they listened to their daughter <laughs> um and they have had like parties with their friends and things and because they're older my dad has had chemotherapy they'll get boosters and then my dad had um Paxlovid recently uh, sorry of covid recently and we gave him Paxlovid mm. he didn't like the way it tastes so i think he stopped it early but <laughs> like there are tools and he can live normally and yeah. he does live normally right. because he listens to me because he needed joy and he needed to see his grandchildren and he needed joy and all this stuff is joy right and i don't know why we would public health would take away things that that cause joy because joy then is good for pub- mental health and then there's like study after study that shows that if you don't have someone in your life you die earlier because yeah. people need human companionship right so it's even worse because they took away joy but they replaced it with like jabby things like they're like okay you get a vaccine but in return you still get no joy you still, you still get have no to joy. mask yeah. you still going to close these things it's still going to be a culture of fear oh and, uh, and the vaccine is not going to keep you really 
you know, he's not going to let you do your thing, but you have to get it or you're untouchable. They decreased trust in vaccines, I think. Oh, by an order of way more. Look what's going on with kids' vaccines. Than the right, right. Yeah. yeah. So now our routine childhood vaccinations have gone down. Yeah. Because they essentially said the vaccines don't work. Yeah. By saying that you don't. That you, you need masks and social distancing after masks, exactly. after vaccines. Exactly. Not recognizing the power of cellular mediated immunity, T cells and B cells, which cover, cover all variants. I'm sorry. Some yeah. people who think that variants aren't covered by T cells and B cells, but they are. Are we still good on severe disease for most people? Yes, we are because I work in a hospital and <laughs> they the severe disease there are people at UCSF who tweet that will say they have not seen severe disease in the hospital. There's one hospitalist who's very good about this since 2022. Because even if someone comes in and they have COVID in a test, mm -hmm. it, they don't have COVID pneumonia. Right. And a lot of people are saying, please, CDC, report severe disease because yeah. it's very, very low. And, and they reported that in Denmark. And by doing that, they could say that. The endemic. We're in the endemic. We're phase endemic. In this thing is with us, and it's yeah. not causing this excessive. But but here's the thing, like, and this is what people hardly ever talk about: when you're elderly and fragile, or you have multiple yes. chronic diseases, you get a rhinovirus, you get a, a common cold, common virus. cold virus. It could throw you into a spiral that can kill you. Yes. We don't lock you down. We don't mask you. We don't do all these things to reduce your joy. We say this is part of getting old and this may be the thing that tips and then we treat it as we can with supportive care. But with COVID, we've done the opposite. We're like, no, this is COVID that killed you. Exactly. It's really interesting because I keep on thinking to myself when I saw my dad get COVID. My and dad got it too. Through it in a very frail. Yeah, he's fine. 83. He's, yeah, very yeah, yeah. frail. But it was absolutely fine because he had tools. Yeah. I keep on thinking I almost, ra well, not almost. I'd rather him get SARS-CoV-2 where I can give him an antiviral right. than rhinovirus right. when he's very, very frail and there's no tools. There's nothing you can do. So the yeah. other aspect of that book is in HIV, we celebrated tools. We celebrated biomedical advances. When we got anti-retrovirals, we said, this is so great. And like, actually you can't pass it on after antiretrovirals and, you know, no condoms and no need and like undetectable equals untransmittable and go and live your life and you're gonna have a normal lifespan. And all we did was reassure people. Mm. But doctors don't reassure, didn't reassure people mm. during COVID-19 that these vaccines worked really well if you're older and that natural immunity worked well and that and T cells and B cells were, they didn't reassure people they went into the scare tactic. Mm. And I don't understand that because it feels like doctors, part of our job is reassurance um, mm. that biomedical tools work. Otherwise, why would you take that biomedical yeah, tool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think we decrease vaccination rates even of COVID, not just routine childhood oh, of vaccinations, course, of course. but we, people were like, wait, I have still to mask. Why and, am I going to take this vaccine? And this is something Paul Offit has said again and again and yeah. again, is our messaging on this has been totally backwards to yeah. what's actually happening, yeah. what's true yeah. about the vaccine. Like, it's one thing to say, oh, you know, we should message in a way that like encourages the right behavior. No, no, no. Let's message in the way that's actually correct. True. It's, it's true. Facts. It's fact. So, okay, it doesn't prevent infection, but it prevents severe disease. Which Go is why it. we developed a vaccine to begin there. with. That's why Because it's common cold corona, uh, coronaviruses, we haven't developed a vaccine. Because Because we're reason. like, it's a cold. Right. So we- We have I, enough collective B and T cell immunity among human populations yes. that we don't die of it. Yes. Now, if you go back in time and you give it to a Native American population that's never seen it, yes. they're going to get like COVID-like pneumonia. They're yes. going to die. From a mild cold a mild coronavirus. Cold. And that's the thing about immunity. Immunity works. 
And that's the thing about this conversation piece that I'm going to send to you, if you can post, sure. that it, it said, unfortunately, immunity is the only way through a pandemic. Yeah. And you've been saying that, that consistently. From yeah. very consistently. Yeah. But people who think that masking and avoiding infection and avoiding human beings and being so um, and telling people that they're awful for breathing and, and whatever we did, that the only way through a pandemic is, is immunity. And we believe that in 1918, but somehow we lost a conception of immunity because it was political, I guess, political. in yeah. 2020 and everything became political. Everything was mo- – some people were modeling after China's approach, which was very autocratic, like you said. Mm-hmm. And then some people were modeling after Sweden's approach, like Florida was um, more Sweden's approach. And at the end, it was all about immunity. It didn't matter. <laughs> it didn't – it all came out in the wash except because of – except for the diseases of despair, yeah. which were more in populations that shut down. Yeah. And that is really important to say suicide, homicide, alcohol-related deaths – car-related deaths, there was more of that. And I actually wrote the chapter for our infectious disease Bible on COVID. Mm. And I was really interested, it's called Mandel's, and I was really interested in what the editor wanted me to write oh, about. you're in Mandel's? It's Mandel's. Remember That's the hot, big, yeah. And so this is our ID textbook. Yeah. What did they want us to write? I wrote it with um, a fellow ID doctor. And I said, give us some instruction. We could write about vaccines, we could write about therapeutics, we could write about the response they said, a harm reduction approach. Oh, wow. We chose you to write this because we want to talk about what caused harm, like school closures. And I said, wait, you want me to put in like all the harms of school closures into the ID textbook? I really wasn't going to. And they said, yes, we do, because we want to make sure this doesn't happen again. There's hope for the future. I know. So you should feel good about that. Because oh. that's, that's, I do think in my heart, I really do believe this. I believe all infectious disease doctors thought the same way. But because of political aspects, they may not have said about the school closures because they were worried about being canceled. And maybe I said it more because maybe I had more – a little bit less to lose because my husband had just died before the pandemic. I don't know what made me just keep on saying it. But I think everyone – I have this like idea that we all kind of think the same way. (laughs) And they may not have said it. I don't think it's an idea. Every ID doc I've talked to has felt the same way. When I travel and do talks, they're like, listen, thanks for saying what we couldn't say publicly. Oh, really? Which is closing schools was an abomination. Yeah, And like, you know, uh, continuing mask mandates after vaccines have been out there for the broad population makes no sense. And so they did feel oh, the yeah. same way, they, but oh, you yeah. they couldn't no, not say a, it. I, can't, I, I mean, my sample size is whatever it is. But yeah, no, yeah, yeah. but there well, was censorship. But it's, it's what you said in the beginning of this conversation. When you are saying things that violate the dogma of the tribe that yeah. you find yourself in. Which I was always in. Which you were always in. Yeah. And, and you still, in so many aspects, are in I that am. tribe. Yeah, yeah. You care about poor people, heaven forbid. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> That's actually been the principle from the beginning. You and I talked about that. Yeah. That my patients suffered so much from the response. They suffered so much. And that's what Vinay Prasad would say. That's what Jay Bhattacharya would say. These mm-hmm. people who've been pariahified by the left. Yeah. Um, despite, you know, like Vinay being... And, and Marty McCary, same thing. Yes, yes. So Marty identifies as like a progressive who cares about yes. disparities and evidence. And then he sees what happens in the pandemic. Now, nobody's right about everything. And yes, we all mispredicted certain things because it's a pandemic. Yeah. But the truth is the principles are accurate. 
Immunology is accurate. Like, mm. if you want to go in principles, like, immunology is accurate. Like, saying that T and B cell immunity isn't there is very silly. Madness. And then the second thing is accurate, I think, is that responses hurt the poor. So I use this mm. anecdote in the book mm. that in the cholera epidemic in 1851, they closed down the city of London. Mm. But um, all the rich people stayed in their house and all the poor people brought them food. Doesn't that sound like Uber <laughs> Eats? Doesn't that sound like what happened in San Francisco? And so oh, it wow. was that kind of eternal downgrading of the poor um, or people who don't have means um, has, has happened before in epidemic responses, but it always hurts the poor more. And we could have done better. We knew better too. That's the thing. I think, We've had we're these watching, lessons. Did you just watch Europe? So, so in my opinion, and you tell me what you think. I don't know if you put this in your book. I think this is more a, a scientific manual and a hey, here's how you don't make these mistakes. Here's the evidence. Here's my big list of references. Yeah, and, so you know, many. Yeah, and that's why you have endorsements from people that might actually disagree with some of the things as the pandemic went through because yeah. the methods are right. Um, there's a there's a component of human fear that was capitalized on by the general polarization of the public during all of this. Yes. So then you have social media, which didn't exist during other pandemics, right. which create these bubbles of thought and echo chambers that then amplify this kind of feeling. And then you have actually, you actually have state efforts at disinformation that promote one side or the other too. You know what I saw recently that just blew, it just made me laugh. So. <laughs> like just talking about vaccines, how we've set vaccines back so far. It's right. so easy now Reduce to hate vaccines. Trust, yeah. It's so easy to do it because yeah. if you disagree politically with say the left, it's easy to hate what they've done about vaccines and forcing boosters on college age kids before they can go get their degree that they Six paid month for. Olds Six too. month yeah. olds. Six month olds, like yeah. you, you're crazy. Um, Russia TV, RT, okay? They're a propaganda arm of the Russian government. <laughs> yeah. When uh, Putin had uh, Prigozhin murdered, um, in this little plane accident, yeah. the RT put out an article saying, um, it's highly possible that the pilot who had been vaccinated for COVID had COVID in, uh, vaccine-induced myocarditis and a heart attack. And that, that's why the plane crashed. Oh, my, so they're <laughs> so using they're propaganda using, like and, we used propaganda. And you think yeah. they're not, they don't have millions of bots on Twitter promoting all kinds of things on both sides of political aisle to create dissent in the US. We get played by this in a culture, in a setting of fear, in a pandemic with this social media hijacking our limbic system and our emotions. I mean, how upset do you get when you look at Twitter? Imagine that yeah. now when you're po politically motivated and now you're being manipulated by state actors outside of the US. Like, so it's a perfect storm. That's so interesting. To divide and painful. us. Yeah, and it does. It does divide us, but the fact that the world in general and the Bay Area is a little different because we had such a lockdown approach. But right. in general, the world has accepted that COVID-19 can't be eradicated, yeah. that severe disease is what's to be prevented, and that we have better tools for COVID-19 than we have for many other respiratory viruses, including RSV, which we don't have a good antiviral for. Mm -hmm. The fact that the world's accepted that and gone back to normal is a ringing endorsement, probably, that people felt the same way yeah. that we did throughout the whole pandemic, but they just didn't want to say it. Yeah. And so that's why I was fascinated that the editors of an ID textbook would say, write what you wrote during the mm. pandemic. Basically write endemic and put it in a chapter. Mm. And that's our ID Bible. That's great. And I like that because that makes it me believe that we were in a political turmoil and so people didn't want to say things, but you people do know virology, immunology, and 
have a holistic um, view of public health. Yeah, yeah. And mental yeah. health effects matter. So, so, and so, let me throw something your way, and and, and I think that's beautiful. But you're still going to see articles out there where I was just looking at the uh, in, was it the Independent. Um, where they were talking about a Royal College of London study that just came out saying, hey, look, lockdowns actually worked or not lockdowns, lockdowns masking aggressive measures worked. And I didn't look at the study itself, but I read the article on it and I was like, well, it sounds like another observational study that has some motivated reasoning and they don't look at the actual ill effects of whatever those same measures are. And so I'm curious if you saw that or- Yeah, I saw that and a similar article was actually written by people at the San Francisco Department of Public Health because they had to justify their <laughs> what actions they did. in yeah. San Francisco. And what they refused to say in the byline and in the coverage of it was the collateral damage. And then if you actually look at the paper, yeah. they talked about how we saw increases in deaths, unfortunately, in San Francisco of younger people. We saw massive increases of overdose deaths. We saw increases of deaths by diseases of despair. And they actually had the data in the paper. They just <laughs> didn't put it in the abstract. Mm. So it is that there is no doubt actually probably that China at the beginning with the massive lockdown approach had less COVID mortality yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. What you have to decide is you had to put things in an entire holistic way to look at all of the effects on public health, be clear eyed, be reasonable and figure out once you have vaccines, especially that it will hurt people to give them so much fear and not trust the vaccines. It will also hurt people to not go to school. Like they, you have to just have kind of a, not a myopic look mm -hmm. at one virus and keeping that virus um, transmission down when severe disease is why we were so scared of COVID-19. Yeah. And it was a real pandemic. It was a real virus, it would cause terrible illness, and then we got tools to combat it. And so th that's what I don't understand is looking at public health in totality. And that's what this book is about, because we can't really do this again, because it will be really bad for children. You know, and I think <laughs> you and I both had a and we love children. We I think do we like, like children. kids. In we fact, like kids. I'm not going to say not in it, a but... creepy way. No, 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 no. no but <laughs> no, I always have and to. Clear. Have, this is the internet. We yeah. have excellent children, and you know yeah, we have this idea that we should we should let them be friends. We want them to be friends. That's right. Yeah. Mo Monica has already decided on the arranged <laughs> marriage between our children. Well, because we are arranged marriages work better. Listen, better always. India has lower divorce rates. So, so I, yeah, I do kind of want to put my children with I, children. I like how you're thinking only, but <laughs> we'll have to put them, but then also just tell them there's no choice. Yeah. This is yeah. how it Don't is. Don't let them have choice. No, like no. we did in That's pandemic, right. pandemic, no pandemic, choice. Too much choice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fata fat. Just do what I'm saying. Oh my God. <laughs> I actually can't wait for the the kids will really because they'll both be like, like oh, "Is your mom crazy? Yeah. yeah. Is your dad crazy? Yeah. 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 Oh, they're both crazy. <laughs> All they do is just rant and rave about how we shouldn't have closed schools. And I kind of liked schools closed because I could sit home and play video games. Yeah, me too. I am, but like you, I am also calming down about yeah. the school things because. By writing, you get to put it all in writing. Yeah. And then this becomes, whether anyone reads it now or not, maybe they'll read in the, I think oh, they'll read in the future. Yeah, for the next Chapter one. five becomes a treatise, putting all in one place mm. how bad school closures were. Mm. And 
I, that's why I think we won't do it again. That I must really have been do. cathartic for you. You know what I think? I think people should buy this book, Endemic, a post-pandemic playbook. I'm saying it out loud because <laughs> we have a podcast too with no no video. Um, if only to have a kind of catharsis for what they intuitively felt was their experience. Yeah. Yeah. And they thought maybe they were crazy because- It is the reasonable, I really do think it's the reasonable book. Because one thing that I didn't ever say on this podcast, but San Francisco is really locked down, but I would go around San Francisco and people would come up to me and say, oh, you're that person. You're the reasonable person. I totally mm, agree. Yeah. And so it was really helpful to get that idea that you were speaking to actually people through this. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they couldn't say it. Yeah, they can't. They can't say it, and and that was the experience I had as well. And and you know, what's yeah. interesting is that people aren't going to come up to us on the street and say, "I think you're totally wrong, and you're costing lives, and we should have locked yeah. down and masked and double, triple, quintuple vaccinated <laughs> as a three month old, even though they have no functional <laughs> ability to respond to this vaccine." Um, we're probably not going to hear that. So, but <clears throat> I do think you know now that we're looking back, yeah. in the end, it all everything seems to come back to. Um, what you were pointing out, which is connection with humans and the rather non-conceptual aspects of being a human, which is, A, we're here to live a life. We're not here to um, inflict our will on others, to control others, to live in fear, to not have the, have, to suck the joy out of others' lives and suck the joy out of our own so that the life can be a couple clicks longer, maybe, on that's dubious. questionable yeah. aid uh, evidence. We're here, and, and the problem is that again, it's in the setting of the fear, the polarization, the social media, and the stuff that maybe will lead to either collapse of civilization in this way that we know it, and something new will happen, or this is a stage in the unfolding of this that we'll start to wake up and see. And I think pandemic may wake people up. Reading this book may say, "Ah, oh, you know what? We were total idiots about this." That's really interesting that you say that because I think that when people went back to joy, like because there are a lot of people who went back to did start ignoring yeah, done with it. Yeah. the advice because the advice did not seem reasonable when they would go and see that every other country after vaccines stopped masks. Um, when they went back to joy and joyful events, they really enjoyed them and they really their lives became richer and fuller. And so I think that. It's a um, lived experience that they saw that um, the fear that the media and public health produced uh, was was not an approach that was actually compassionate. And I think we have to go back to also this word compassion because it is easy to prey on people's fears because life is hard. But why would you prey on people's fears when you have tools to – like? I called the mask a tool to unlock people's fears before. Mm. And it's so much better to have a vaccine so that you have T and B cell immunity. And why wouldn't you want people to be happy? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So I think public health has to go back to the idea of making people's lives, of understanding that life is not just about avoidance of risk, but life is about um, fullness. Joy. And I hope public health will... Um, become ex much more optimistic after this event because they were pessimistic because they were they were po being political. Yeah. And and again, 
I think the other thing is some forgiveness. There's so many people holding grudges on both sides of this thing. Yeah. Like um, there's yeah. a lot of anger because there was a lot of strong emotion, vitriol, attacking, yeah. life and death situations apparently on the line and, and people hold it. There's a distinction. And I think you all innately understand this because you said compassion, working in HIV, between empathy where you like, I look at Monica and I go, oh, you know, she's South Asian like me. Uh, she's a doctor like me. She's a parent like me and she's suffering in some way. And I take, I can totally relate and I can take that suffering and feel it here. And I go, oh God, we got to do something about that because it's uncomfortable. I feel it. That's empathy. It's narrow. You kind of have to look and feel like me and you kind of have to be in tribe for it to really work. And you have to be one person. It's very hard to empathize with a group of people or the poor, for example. You can empathize with a little girl and, and charities have known this forever, but compassion is different. Compassion is understanding there is no difference between you and I, we're the same stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I don't have to feel your pain as my own to know that you're suffering and to be the space that radically and unconditionally loves in the face of that suffering. And that's what you do in HIV. You're not a gay man no. that I know of. No. You may identify as such, no, no. <laughs> but you're not. <laughs> yeah. But you can have this radical compassion for those who are suffering, who are publicly insured, who don't have means, and, and open into that. And that's the same compassion that I've seen you show for all sides of this, even when you take a stance during COVID. And that's what separates you, I think, from people who have been much more vitriolic on all sides of it. And, and I think we need more of the Monica Gandhi, the Gandhi approach, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe a little more moderation of the other types of, of you know, in-group, out-group fighting. I, 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 I really like what you just said, because I think um, people who attacked me or other people who thought schools should be opened, um, I didn't attack back because uh, they must have been coming from a place that I can't truly understand. But because I know that eventually the school closures had been pretty much proven, even the New York Times and CNN. And, <laughs> you know, there's a there's a white, pretty widespread consensus that it wasn't wasn't good for children. Yeah. Um, so we have come to that consensus in 2023, which is good. But um, but there must have been reasons that people had, and I can't guess at those reasons. And um, But I do have a general compassion for fear because I lived through a lot of fear when my husband had a bad scan and was going through cancer. And fear is um, makes it so that you can't think. Mm. And sometimes you want to lash out and, and and make it on someone else, even though the cancer wasn't anyone's fault. Mm. Um, and and a new virus um, is makes people really scare, scared. So we just have to be compassionate. If we could be compassionate, moderate, reasonable, kind, um, understand virology and immunology and um, understand that we can never get rid of this respiratory virus, but we have really good tools. Let's move on from this because I want people to move on from COVID. And the reason I want people to move on from COVID is we have other problems mm. and those problems are really real. And our polarization and how we act in the U.S. prevents us from moving forward in positive ways to solve problems. And what I saw in India and India is 1.4 billion people more than China, um, that Delta was terrible. They didn't have uh, vaccines. 
they got eight vaccines. They gave everyone choice. Like they gave people choice of like whole virus vaccines and mRNA and DNA. They just gave the population a choice. You can go to a pharmacy and see eight different vaccines, Sputnik V, a Russian vaccine. And they just, everyone got vaccinated or most of them did. And then they just moved on. And, and now they're focusing on their other problems. Focusing on landing a rover. They did land on the on moon and we should the moon. proud. Oh, proud. totally. Yeah. The proud. whole time I was thinking, I was thinking. <laughs> we Apo- did it. Totally. <laughs> Apollo Wala 13.6. Apollo <laughs> Right? Because we did it. I mean, doesn't have the resources of the U.S. Okay, please give me a break. Like Dude, that, this is a lower resource country. We did it. They did it for like Daisy Price too. We're they were so like, cool. we, we did it for like a couple million. <laughs> like know. totally. They, yeah. They, they, yeah. Like America spends billions and billions and billions and all the scientists are getting paid. And then those guys are like, you know what? Get that guy over there. He looks like he knows math. <laughs> that guy makes pretty good metal. Put that, put that thing there. And then, okay, three, two, one, go. Hey! <laughs> it was perfect. Well, Raju, you I'm did a joking. good job. Yeah, he's like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, but no, I was very, impri- I was very happy. It was so week. nice. I was very My parents yeah. were, were sending it to me. They're like, look at this, man. Yeah, we should you be know? proud. Because so many years, so many decades, Indians have felt self-stigmatized by the struggles of their country. And you know? the subaltern view that colonialists made them yes, feel yes, yes, like yes, they were inferior and they yeah. were less than. And yeah. I, my Children oft quote the statistic that Britain took forty-five trillion dollars from India. Wow! And that Kohinoor diamond that's sitting in England. And they, so uh, um, they should give it back. But, give it back. Yeah. So so yeah, that was despite all odds, and that was a lot of struggle. And so that's but that's what I mean. There's like a really complex life out there, and this is one virus that's joined the other endemic viruses that actually have better tools than the other endemic viruses. Influenza vaccine does not work as well as COVID vaccines. Mm. Influenza Tamiflu does not work as well as Paxlovid. Mm. Good tools, celebrate them. And so, um, but but because it became political, even right now there's a variant BA2, 8.86, and the media is whipping up fear Mm -hmm. when the hospitalizations are staying really low. And I know Mm -hmm. that because I work in a hospital. And so they should also talk to people who work in hospitals. But so that fear whipping, I I think they'll stop. I think they'll stop when they get onto the election. Uh, The election, The election will be the spring variant. Yeah. Yeah, it'll wag the dog the other direction. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I... I've advocated, and this people will disagree with me, just stop watching the news. Um, stop really engaging in that way because it is such a funnel of despair because they're incentivized to give you negative, 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 negative. Because that's clickbait. And yeah. that's, I mean, I actually said there were three reasons why we use such a fear-based approach. One was the Trump reason. Yeah. So whatever Trump says, we have to do the opposite. That that's was in the book. What, yeah, that's oh, in the that's book. that's nice. The yeah. second is... They felt that people would comply more with public health measures if they used more fear. Uh But we've seen that in HIV. You don't just tell everyone like you're going to get horrible AIDS and die of horrible KS all over. We said, hey, use condoms. Let's stay safe. But but please have your life. So that was the harm reduction approach. And then the third is clickbait. Like that wasn't an idea before when you had to physically go buy a paper. And so we, but only our country did this. There's another statistic in this book that um, the international media, 
when the vaccines came out, they celebrated them. They totally reported good news. They were, it was just great. And they um, also reflected more of the medical literature. They were more in line with the medical literature reporting, mm. whereas it was always bad news being reported mm. in the U.S. media. Mm. And so that was a very particular function of the U.S. that mm. happened. And that all conspired to make this really difficult response in the U.S. That's yeah. still ongoing. It makes perfect sense. I mean, we would see it in a, a, a YouTube stuff. Like if I did a video on COVID and the headline had something in it that was like, that would trigger the emotion, it would get a ton of engagement. Oh. And it and uh, so people would game their headlines even. Now they're using AI to design the headlines because you can ask chat For GPT, fear. hey, oh. how do you like get a fear-based headline that's gonna get a lot of anxiety-driven clicking? And it'll be like, here you go, here's 12 different options. And wow. uh, yeah, now I don't know. I don't know how it's been validated. I don't know if anyone's done any validation work on does it work. But um, you're like, and what are we going to call this episode? I mean, you can brainstorm it now. If I say, you know, um, fear of the next pandemic, like how to keep yourself alive, you know, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> well, you would probably get uh, fear based. But what we could say, I mean, I, I think it's about restoring trust in public health. If I were a public health person because I'm an academic ID physician, but I'd feel kind of gross that like 30% of people don't trust the CDC. Yeah. So, um, I mean, one thing is something about restoring trust in public health or infusing joy uh, or joy as a part of public health or human so, connection as a part of health. See, so that's, or, what we, that's what we believe. That's the truth of this episode. Will that? Oh, yeah. The no one bait? will click on it. Oh, say that. No one will click on say it. Say Frodo died of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Remember my little dog and then he passed? Poor Frodo. Say Frodo say died of Frodo COVID. Died and of COVID then people and will your dog is bait. next. And yeah. your dog is your dog next. Is next. Your, dog, exactly. your dog is next. Exactly. Because Bilbo's you know what? People next. care more about their animals than they do about people. Uh, so yeah, and by the way, R.I.P. Frodo, such an yeah, adorable little so guest sweet. on the show. But my I first tell you, I have a guest. cat who I think is his reincarnation. You did tell me that. Yeah, yeah. So, so how, why do you, why exactly, do you, oh, because same. Frodo had, Frodo had smelly eyes, which is a very distinctive feature. Not, like you don't just go, oh, my dog's eyes smell bad. <laughs> and this cat's eyes smell oh, bad. Oh, wow. He's Frodo. Wow. He's Frodo. Yeah, I got to take my cat to the. That's, that's amazing. I love that for you. COVID killed Frodo, and and here's why. And your and, and, and your dog and is next. Your dog and is your next. dog is next. BA two point eight six is coming for your it's dog. Coming for your dog. Here's what you can yeah. do. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. See, so that, but that's now you can see already. Like I'd click on that. Yeah. Well, that's how these media entities get paid. That's yeah. how YouTube people make ad revenue. And recently, like I've gone off the rails, like you're the first interview I've done in how many weeks that it, and, and, and all the interviews I've done prior to that have been on spirituality stuff. And so it's kind of like, at some point you just click and go, all right, it's time that we wrap all of this up. Don't ever make this mistake again, put it out there and go to the next thing that's gonna get zero views. Yeah. And that's what I decided to do. <laughs> I have people in the comments writing things like, you know, for a channel with so many subscribers, you get hardly any views. I'm like, that's because I'm talking about the fact that you don't exist as a separate self. Like, you don't want to hear that. No. You don't want to click that. But you all but can dissolve and surrender into it. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe in another life. But you know what? You're not going to click on it in this life. Okay, let's clickbait this this right, one. We're we'll figure it out. It. Yeah, I Frodo. like that. Frodo. Yeah. Oh my God, COVID will kill your dog and other fear-based trash with Monica. <laughs> yeah. 
That's it. That's the, that's that's the answer. It. That's, that's the I answer. Love, I love that this is part of the interview. <laughs> he was so cute, though. Oh, he, he was yeah, so he was like Physical form. Physical, physical form. form. Yeah, yeah. And so um, how are, um, are you getting out into the world and... Yes. I mean, I'm actually, it's nice to see that San Francisco is, you know, out. Like one time I went to a um, concert, Tears for Fears, and someone came up to me and said, we have vaccines, right? And I said, yeah. And they said, okay, walk on or something. So yeah, I I am seeing kind of that coming back to life um, of the city. Uh, And this, This is you I'm asking about. Oh, well. Yeah. In that way, you mean? Yeah, no, you I don't know. No, not no? yet. No, all no. Right. Okay. Well, all you'll right. you'll help me in that way. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll go. We'll go out on the <laughs> we'll town together. To, okay. Okay. I love it. Except I hate doing that kind of shit. Yeah. I, I'm such a homebody. I realize, you know, like I socialize so rarely. Well, but because I have family. Yes. And, yeah. You have, but we need to again. The children need to see each other because yeah, okay. we have a plan. All right. I got, yeah. I got you. I yeah. got you. I got you. I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that's uh, that. That's a beautiful way to kind of bring full circle. Three years of you and I hanging out really? in this way is yeah. that something? Thank you for these conversations. Well, thank they have you. Been so great. I hear from people all the time. Thank you for Monica Gandhi. Well, thank you though for Zubin Damani oh. because I really appreciate these conversations. You you've done a very big karmic um, good thing for your viewers, which is to try to bring down some of that unreasonable aspects of the COVID response. It was really important. And and now I'm trying to tell them they don't exist. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's, you, yeah, you may be going too far there for right now, but I swear next life is going to work out. Oh, next life. Yeah. Next life. I, I'm hoping to avoid it by just waking up so thoroughly, but that's uh, wishful dreaming at let's this point. Let's see. Let's yeah. see if we get uh, enlightened yeah, we here. Yeah. It's all good. It's all good. Life is fun, man. It's all exactly as it is. <laughs> um, and on that note, so I will pitch this book here because people need to buy it. Even if you don't want to read it now, put it on your shelf because when the next fear-demic happens, um, and which has real component of actual something you should worry about. Yeah. So what do you do about it? Here's the playbook, the post-pandemic playbook. Yeah. Save Frodo from COVID. Yes, exactly. It's It's step by step. Yes, it's beautiful. And I'm so glad that you were able to do this. I know you were talking about it. And I'm sad that I haven't had a chance to read it yet because you showed up with the copy (laughs) and I'm like reading nothing these days. Like I can't even read about anything spiritual anymore because it all feels like concept. And you're like, it's just this. There's nothing spiritual about it. It's just this. But this is your way of putting it away. I think if people decide to read this, it puts it away and, and then you can move on. Oh my God. Get rid of COVID forever by reading this book. That's that's the that's the clickbait. No, that's actually it is there is something to the closure because people are traumatized. Yeah, yeah. A closure is really important because the some of the media is trying to make it not close, but we have the tools. The yeah, hospitalizations yeah. are extremely low. We'll always have respiratory viruses and we must, must live with this. And this is why I think the last time you and I spoke, I spoke about uh, forgiveness too. And a lot of people in the comments were so angry they couldn't forgive. They were either angry that, you know, we never, that, that the people who locked down and did masks and all that, or they were angry at, you know, the Trump people who thought it was a hoax and were costing lives by, by uh, spreading vaccine disinformation. Yeah. Um, and the truth is, listen, we're all doing the best we can. We're all unfolding according to the script laid out for us. We can do better by knowing more, by being present. And here we are doing that. And then 
take away that anger by just reading if you you know reading this and then reading the ref looking at the references if you want but yeah we have to we have to give up the anger yeah the yeah. polarization there's there's so much polarization in this country it'd be good to stop being polarized about covid yeah about covid at least yeah. at, at least. least one thing one that's thing. our one goal for today's the other podcast. thing uh we can all agree that frodo was the best dog <laughs> so cute. But smelly, smelly eyes. eyes smelly eyes yeah that was like it a was betty a, that was a, a uh, kim karn song <laughs> He's got smelly eyes. <laughs> Little Frodo. You, you didn't, no one knew that unless you took a big sniff. You know, and he had smelly eyes. I got close to that dog and yeah. I, I remember there was a stank, but I didn't know it was yeah, coming from his eyes. eyes. It's just a particular feature that got carried over to the next life. It, he just yeah. Sat, yeah, he just <laughs> sat on your lap the whole time. I know. Who's adorable. Just adorable. Yeah. My friend Angela's dog meditates with him, Comes knows when he's sitting. Sits on his lap for the whole meditation during retreats and everything that he's throwing. He'll just sit. The dog will just sit there. Wow, yeah. Cleopatra. He's his spirit animal. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, Pretty impressive. Yeah, that's very impressive. So, Frodo is not. Um, Frodo has some more lives to go. He's not. <laughs> he's not a meditative dog, even in his cat form right now. He's like Richard Nixon yeah. reincarnated. Yeah. He's like gets a chance. He yeah, gets a chance to be just a little a nicer. smelly-eyed cat now. Yeah. Oh, adorable. <laughs> All right. Well. Um, boy, I have no, I, 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 I'm almost speechless. We've this been... was really great. It feel it felt like yeah, the three year, three and a half years, and then we came back together. And, so thank and, you for the opportunity. And to talk. thank you for trekking down. And the next time we talk, it's going to be about something completely different. Yes. 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 We're going to go there. Yeah. Yes. And hopefully, there's not another pandemic in um, the next few years. Let's do a hundred years for the next one. Okay, hundred years. Yeah. We'll yeah, be 1918, Force then 2020, then. Perfect. Yeah, Are you going to be frozen? Um, <laughs> no, yeah. no. Like these billionaires? No, no. I don't want to be frozen. Okay, I just, Let I it go. Let I don't it go. Want, I don't want to stop talking to you. That's the problem. <laughs> I, this should have ended like a few minutes ago, but I'll, I'll, I just want to ask you this. What do you think about these billionaires and stuff who want to live forever, who are all into this anti-aging stuff, who are uh, doing full body scans, who are um, for freezing their parts in case they can be re resuscitated. What's your uh, spiritual take on that? I will just say that we move. Um, there was a line once, I think it was Edmund Wilson, that said, we move between two darknesses, which is birth and death. Mm. And death is as much a part of life as death, as birth. And um, it is it is not something to prolong because, um, of course, bio, you know, medicine has prolonged it, but not beyond what's, what's reasonable yeah. because – Immortality is sounds pretty awful. I mean, all the people that you know will die. Any like fictional books, Simone de Beauvoir wrote a book about this. Um, and all the people you love will die and you'll be alone and you keep on doing the same thing again and again. And it just sounds awful to and, me. And the whole time you're living with a case of mistaken identity, that you are a separate shard from all the other separate shards fighting to stay alive in an environment that wants to kill you. When yes. In reality, it might be that birth and death are truly an illusion in the fundamental sense. I think so that's too. That's a whole nother podcast. That's a, we'll do that next time. <laughs> all right, guys. <laughs> On that note, the lovely Monica Gandhi, thank you again thank for coming you. to the show. Thank you so much. And we are out only. <laughs> okay, very only. Bye. <laughs> hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> and so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. 
it, it just really helps the algorithm to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I want to hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st- really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.